If you run a small business, your website copy plays a huge role in determining whether you're just scraping by or you're growing your leads and sales like nothing's going to stand in your way. Well, the Standout Website Copywriting Program is nearly ready to help teach you how to write words that sell. Over four weeks, you'll learn how to write your website pages one section at a time with words and a proven framework that will captivate your audience and persuade them to take action. If you want to improve your website copy so that you can grow your income and your impact, join the waitlist now by visiting simplystandoutmarketing.com backslash website copy course so that you don't miss out when we launch very soon. Now it's time for the latest episode of the podcast. When you're a small business, it's often not easy to know how to get your products or services into the media spotlight. So today, I'm speaking with Sally Rigney, who spent the past 20 years working on both sides of the media as a journalist and in public relations. Stay tuned to find out how you can create a newsworthy story, how to prepare for interviews, and how one small outback Australian town went viral. The Simply Standout Marketing Podcast is for you, the small business owner wanting to supercharge your marketing with simple, actionable strategies and inspiration so you can smash your goals and grow your business. Now it's your turn to discover what actions to take to make your business truly stand out and succeed. Let's get started. Hello, today I'm excited to have on the podcast with me, Sally Rigney. Sally, thanks for joining me today and sharing your wisdom to help small businesses achieve greater success from working with the media. Thanks, Nikki. It's so lovely to be here. It is. I can hear the uh, beautiful birds outside your office window chirping away. <laughs> yep, I'm surrounded by about 40,000 acres of grass at Nindagully in southwest Queensland. Ah, oh, yes. Well, there's plenty of wildlife there, that's for sure, which I'm sure a lot of people would rather be out there at the moment with you. I'm sure they would too. Um, you know, lockdown's just not a problem on this place. No, exactly. Now, look, to start off, can you tell us a bit, a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Well, I had a long career with ABC Radio that took me from our smallest towns to our biggest cities. Uh, there was time as uh, communications director for the grain growers uh, back in Ian McFarlane's day when we merged a few of the um, agri-political groups to create AgForce Queensland. And then in December 2002, I married a gorgeous farmer and I began writing freelance for for publications like Outback Magazine and the Courier Mail. Uh, In more recent years, I was the inaugural chair of the Rubberbank Southern Queensland and Northern New South Wales Client Council. Oh, that's a big, it's always been a big mouthful. (laughs) I say that they they gave me that job because we owed the bank way too much money. But, um, But it was a really exciting job because we used bank funds to create projects that helped improve the financial literacy in regional areas. Um, And look, what we achieved was recently recognised when I was named the Greater Downs Women in Business of the Year. So that was nice. Um, And currently, uh, while running the office for our mixed grain and cattle enterprise, Rigney Rural at Nindigully, I'm also the Cotton Australia Regional Manager for St George, Durambandi and Mungandai. Yes, you'd never want to settle for, you know, just doing the odd job here and there. It's um you've I certainly like got your plate. 
<laughs> you certainly got your plate full there. And look, that's why it's so wonderful to talk to you because you have worked on both sides of media. You know, you've worked in with the media and then actually dealing with them to try and get stories. So that's what I love so much about, um, yeah, finding out your side of the story, um, which is always good. So look, you've worked with a lot of businesses and a lot of community community organizations, um, which you've just been listing and especially sort of out towards your St. George area. And you've both been interviewing them for, you know, a media organization of the ABC and also helping them gain media exposure. What have you seen to be the biggest benefits of gaining media coverage for businesses and organizations? Look, Nikki, really it's about people connect with a story. So telling our stories is what breaks down the barriers, the misperceptions, um, and I think positive media coverage really creates energy and recognition in what can often be a crowded marketplace. And I always say, if you don't tell people, they don't know. So you need to tell your story. Um, and, you know, recently I've been doing stories for our local cotton growers, you know, and it's been good news after years of drought about rain and flows in the river and really being able to show, I, I guess, the human side of an industry people uh, um, don't really know or understand. So being able to take a person from the city into our backyard and break down some of the barriers is, is really, really powerful. And um, when I look at media coverage for small businesses, the one tip I would give you is that everyone is time poor. So the easier you make it for a journalist, the more coverage you'll get. But, you know, often, like for me, when I started doing video for the Blonde Shire Council because we ran out of money, so I, I used COVID to retrain <laughs> myself online about how to do videos. And um, I was really fearful because I was thinking, oh, my goodness, how do I use this program? It keeps crashing. Um but really, I just say to people, don't worry. You'll learn what you need to learn along the way. So just focus on what your strength is, and I promise you will develop the skills you need to be able to communicate your story. Yeah, and I think that's very important. And from the point of view of, of social media, a lot of people have concentrated so much effort and energy into doing social media. I I may be wrong here, but I wonder whether they're so scared about putting stuff into the actual, you know, media in terms of television, radio, uh, publications that the media have sort of been forgotten about in a lot of ways with people telling these amazing stories. And there's so many amazing stories out there. Look, there really are so many stories and people think they don't have a story to tell, but everyone does. There's a story behind every door um, of every house. I think one of the interesting things we're seeing with the social media is um, people are really enjoying the really genuine and authentic short clips that are really true to what they're representing. Um, we seem to be stepping away from needing to see, you know, highly um, professional, um, I guess, productions. Um, also, I think for us out here, I mean, we lost our local newspaper. So actually connecting into traditional media can be harder for us because now we're taking a bush story and trying to access the metropolitan media right from word go. Yes, and I think it's so important to get your story out there into a broader market uh, in terms of the newspapers and radio and, and everything rather than just just on social media. And talking about stories and, and what makes things newsworthy, look, we both know that 
most stories that get pitched to the media are a long way off being of any interest to the media and their audiences I find that especially a lot of the ones that come from big bigger businesses and uh, it just sometimes it is so far off the mark. So what do you think makes a story newsworthy? Well, you really want to make your story newsworthy because that's free advertising. That's free editorial. So news is what happens. It's um, news is what people are talking about. News is new or current. Um, and reporters choose their stories from the flood of information and events happening with four criteria in mind. It's importance, impact, timeliness, uniqueness, and human interest. And, you know, that's all talking hard news. We've also got extended magazine pieces. And as we've discussed, you know, short, quirky social media posts. So I'd really say to people, watch and listen to the media stream you want to tap into. You know, recognize the different styles and choose the right fit for you. And um, to work out what your story is, the first thing you have to create is context. Ask yourself, why is this? Why now? What makes this story pertinent? And um, what do you want to achieve with the interview? Is it color, hard facts? What makes it important to your target audience? So you're really looking for your point of difference. What makes you special? What's the hook or the angle that makes it newsworthy? And to start that process, really, it's a bit of brainstorming. It's a bit of thinking time. And it's sitting down and asking yourself those questions that are actually going to make you relevant. Um, a few basic ideas for ways to actually create news is to actually tie in with the news events of the day. You know, you could adapt a national survey or report locally. Um, you could make an analysis or a prediction, announce an appointment, celebrate an anniversary. You could make a statement on a subject of interest. I mean, if there's some way you could tie in with the Olympics, that would be great. Um, also, you could make an award. So it's just finding ways, I guess, to um, give it a point in time as to why it needs to be reported now. Yes, and they're all very good things to for people to remember and to think about. What are some of the favourite initiatives of yours that you've developed to gain media coverage? Well, definitely one of the big successes and one of my absolute favourites was the 2020 St George Mate Song. So St George is um, about 500 kilometres west of Brisbane in the Boulogne Shire. And I'd been called in by the Shire Council to help because they didn't have a media officer at the time. And they were facing the worst tourist season you know, ever in record because we had the fires down south you know, and we were worried all the grey nomads would stay down there. And we were in eight years of drought. It was just diabolical. And I'd seen that Tourism Australia's, um, it's a $15 million ad they did with Kylie Minogue called the Kylie, you know, the mate song. Um, and it was actually, crazily enough, pulled briefly, um, you know, pulled after quite a short time um, because of the fires and it was all aimed at attracting, you know, the English to Australia. And so I said, why don't we do a bush parody of it trying to attract Australians <laughs> to the bush and, you know, on a little shoestring budget. So working with Council's Tourism Manager, Kim Wildman, we started writing um, our version that very, very first day and um, I actually spilled coffee right over the first draft. That was very embarrassing. <laughs> We we're going to make fun of the drought. We we're going to have boats in the bottom of a dry river. We we're going to have people mowing dust lawns. Um, and while we we're doing all of this, we actually wanted to protect ourselves too. And that's something you've really got to think about. If you don't have the knowledge, bring in the experts. So we brought in country music singer Josh Arnold to ensure copyright was covered and that the musical, that the music was professionally produced. 
Um, and then we brought in our seven little towns and gave the community ownership by involving them. So at the time, our Kylie Minogue was an 18-year-old Jillaroo from Durambandi, Lucy Seville, who'd never worn makeup. And our Australian comedian, Adam Hills, was played by um, SES worker Ben Gardner, who'd returned to work with a holiday beard. That was all, all the criteria <laughs> he needed to fill. But then we were just about to start filming. We had our spreadsheets. We were ready. And the rain came. And then a flood. And the roads were closed. Um, when you watch the video, the beach scene, we lost that bit of ground one day later, you know. <laughs> and our St. George mate song had to evolve and adapt very, very quickly. And it ended up turning into this amazing celebration um, of the rain. And it became the toe-tapping good news story that captured the hearts of Australia. And we went viral with Kylie Minogue sharing it with her millions of social media followers. So it actually generated $1.2 million worth of promotion for the Blondshire Council. And um, Kim and I went on to win the Queensland Local Government Association's uh, Best Creative Social Media Campaign. So it was a win all around. It was. And look, I have seen it numerous times and absolutely love it. And can you just explain to people, because a lot of people have no idea where St George is or how big it is, give them an idea of exactly how big, you know, how many people live in St George? Well, now it's about 3,000 if you're lucky. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's set on the most beautiful river, the Blonde River. We say it's the best water skiing in Australia. And what we have in the Blondshire is this crazy, unique thing where we've got seven little towns, seven little communities, and they're all on their own, on their own rivers. So we've got this natural tourist trail where you can drive to the towns and, and it's sort of, I guess, seen as the inland fishing capital. So it's lovely when we have water. <laughs> yeah. And look, really, at the end of the day, I absolutely loved uh, what you did and thought it was fantastic because knowing that it would have been such a small budget and it just goes to show that you don't need big budgets to actually make, you know, create cr incredible things and to get really good media attraction for it. Look, I think it's really important to find your team, to have that person that you can bounce off. Like with Kim Wildman and I, I'm a big ideas person. I'm a bit crazy. I go higher and higher and Kim's a problem person, so she'll come to me with a problem, I find the solution, and then Kim is the detailed spreadsheet woman because I hate detail and spreadsheets. And so <laughs> we really work together to lift each other up, support each other, and it's actually created an, an amazing friendship. And I think that's one of the really important things with whatever business or company you're in is finding your people and surrounding yourself with them because often you can sit alone thinking, is this a good idea or not a good idea? And to really have that support and to have the people who can help you grow it and develop it and actually reach, you know, fruition because it's easy to have big, good, funny ideas, but if you're not going to get them on paper or you're not going to get them on video, then they're nowhere. Yes, and that's very true because I I mean, even I actually have a couple of people who I bounce ideas off because I might have the greatest ideas in the world, but you've got to actually see them through to fruition. And it also helps just to have someone on your side who goes, that is amazing. Yes, go and do it. Push. <laughs> Absolutely. We all need the push. so <laughs> easy to procrastinate. It is so easy to internet shop instead. Yes, that is true. And also to just get lost in you know, the maze of whatever happens to be the latest thing that, or get lost in Facebook um, or Clubhouse or, yes, all of those wonderful things online that uh, we can waste time on. There's plenty That's of them. 
<laughs> now, look, apart from pitching, you know, non-newsworthy stories to the media, are there any other big mistakes that you saw as a journalist that businesses make when they're trying to get a story in the media? Look, one of the biggest things is nothing is off the record. This goes for all appearances, interviews, whatever you say anywhere can follow you around endlessly and perhaps disastrously. So just don't say it. There's no need. Um, also, don't promise anything you can't deliver. Um, I've also noticed over the years that businesses can miss out on opportunities because they're slow to prepare or slow to react. So, you know, it's a viciously fast news cycle. So if you have a project, make a forward calendar of the different potential stories and work to them in a timely fashion because, you know, just um, because you suddenly think it's a crisis, it doesn't make it a crisis for me. You need to prepare so that you can get it to the journal so it's not this last-minute thing when it doesn't need to be. Um, also, if you know there is a downside to your business, think about those negatives and how you can flip it into a positive if the question arises or the situation arises. Also, the thing I'd say is people often don't think about the need to put in the hard work. Um, you actually need to research the media you're trying to connect with um, so that you know the journalists who have the style you're looking for. You know, when I put together the St. George Mate song, I literally broke Google finding the people I needed from travel to caravan parks to grey nomad groups. Um, but, you know, I'll see people sending out a media release and that's it, nothing. It just goes off into the ether. You actually have to put the time in and ring the journalists, follow up personally. You know, publicity is all about building relationships with people because it's harder to say no when you have a connection. So I, I really think you've got to really build those connections, build your address book, um, and you have to be a good talent. You have to speak clearly and be on message because if you can deliver, they'll keep bringing back. Uh, the only other thing I'd say is about truth and accuracy and checking and rechecking your facts, which comes more from a journalism side. But I would say to, to people being interviewed, if correct inaccuracies at the time, if you realise the journalist doesn't have it right, really stop and make sure they have got the message clearly. Um, they're not an expert in the field. You are. They're just asking the questions. So really, you know, double test that they've got the story straight and got it right. Also, if you've got a name that is hard to spell, be upfront and make sure that they've got the correct spelling. Um, and the last thing I'd say is don't waffle. If you're too hard to cut, uh, your story will end up on the editing floor. <laughs> They're all very, very good tips. And there's a lot of things that you have to do to prepare for a media interview, especially when you've never done one before and, and might be anxious about it. And this is especially so for radio and television. And it's something I learned many, many years ago when I started working in public relations in the 90s. And that was that whole uh, when you're asked a question on often on radio or television news, you have to answer with the question. And I think a lot of people aren't prepared for that. So what could you say to them to help them to prepare for, you know, radio and television interviews? First thing is um, know whether you're recorded alive because that really changes your approach. You know, if you're recorded, you can stuff up um, and they can cut it for you. <laughs> but if you're live, you've got to find a way to keep going. Um, I'll never forget this fantastic um, radio personality. We had an ABC transition to television and forgot she was on television and was coughing into her mic thinking she was turning it off like she was on radio. So, you know, you've really <laughs> got to think of, of, of what is being seen 
and making sure that that's being presented well. Look, first thing to remember, um, being interviewed is not brain surgery, so just calm down because two common effects of nervousness are mumbling your words and racing your speech, which I'm probably doing right now because I hate being interviewed. But um, <laughs> try to avoid these by remembering to breathe. You know, uh, write in big red pen on your notes, speak up and slow down. Because, you know, when I was in radio, I used to have this smiley face in the studio, so I'd remember to smile because it actually changes your voice. And I think it's important to think about the emotion of the interview and the story. You know, is it a business story where, you know, you're in a suit with the sharp shoulders, good posture? Is it emotional, more relaxed, happy? You know, what is the feeling? Because you need to channel that because there's no point standing there rejoicing about the rain if you're speaking in a monotone. Um, and, you know, I think it's so important to make sure you find the quirky things that are going to give you that point of difference, whether it's talking about the croaking frogs or, you know, just finding that inlet to give yourself some colour. Um, I think the most important thing is to be prepared. So before the interview, ask the journalist what direction they'll be taking with the story and the type of questions they would like to cover. Um, and remember that you are talking to a journalist but speak as, as if you're speaking to one person because it's actually the audience you're trying to connect, that one person you're trying to connect to um, rather than a faceless mass. So always speak as if you're speaking to one person. Know your message. You know, have your three key messages firmly in your mind and keep your answers short and memorable. So radio wants, you know, 20 seconds or less. TV is about 10 to 15 seconds. And newspapers are looking for a sentence. That's 25 words. Um when we talk about nervousness, practice your breathing techniques, prepare and rehearse your answers, um, and talk slowly. Dress the part, think positively, and don't drink milk. It slows down your vocal cords. Now, that one I have never heard before. So <laughs> It's going through. That's fantastic. I've, I've learnt something new today. Well, I've actually learnt quite a few new things, but, um, yep, never drink milk. What about milk and coffee? Does that count? No, of course it doesn't. There's way too much coffee. <laughs> what, would I do? what would I Not do without it? Though, you'll get the jitters. And, and like say you're someone who needs a word, nervous week, go do that. Um, if you're a cougher, go out the back and have a good cough and, you know, and just always make sure you've got some water or tissues around you. Just, you know, it's like preparing for a party. Have that little emergency kit with Band-Aids and everything in it that you could possibly need. Yes, and I always find, and we've all got it today, uh, videos on our video recorders on our computers or phones or whatever, I often find doing it in front of a and videoing yourself makes such a big difference and you can look back at it and go, okay, well, you don't even have to look back on it. But it's for me, it's now that practice of just pretending that someone is recording me. And as you said, taking breathing and smiling works every time before I start, even with a podcast interview or a, even doing a solo one. I actually stand up straight, smile and breathe, and it works every time. And look, I think it's really interesting that you talk about watching it back because I've had to do a few where I've watched it back and gone, oh, 
who knew I had a bad angle? <laughs> I have many, but I think it's really good for you to find you know, what works for your face. Like I know for me, it's often hard with the TVs where they want me side on. It's like I know that's my worst angle. You know, I want to be front on. <laughs> you don't need to see all those chins. Um, and I think it's just actually, I think that's great, Nick, about really doing some of your own recording and just watching it back and seeing what worked, what didn't work. Yeah, I I just even find not even watching it back some days and just having that practice of, okay, because often I don't like watching myself, (laughs) which a lot of people don't. (laughs) But that's the thing. None of us do. So you do. You suck it up and just go, yes, let's just watch it. Okay, this is where I could improve. Uh, And then I find you much more relaxed when you actually go and do an interview. Oh, look, it's all about preparation. If you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. And so it's about taking the time, giving yourself the time, placing priority on it and making sure you are prepared so that when you walk in there and your brain goes blank, your subconscious kicks in and it can answer that question for you. Yes, and I especially find that with your key messages, having those three key messages, because a lot of the time it's very easy to get a journalist to ask you a question that's totally off track from what you wanted to say and being able to bring that back to your key messages so that's what comes across, not some totally random fact that's just been brought out. Oh, look, and that's a skill in itself, turning, you know, um, a, a question around um, and it's all about the use of words and acknowledging the question but then moving it on to where you want to go uh, you could do a whole podcast on that <laughs> yeah, you can. I could well I think politicians are the experts at doing that I've got to say because oh, we've all called them on it I mean and I think that's one of the really big things is um, to be really genuine and authentic and um if you don't want to answer, like if, if you think the question's off on a tangent, you have to pay respect to the question in some way before moving it to where you want to go. Um, but as long as I, I think people just expect that they need an answer, when we see the politicians waffling around and we still don't know what was said, I think that's when everyone gets frustrated. <laughs> Definitely. Now, what are some of the major must-dos for engaging your audience when you're being interviewed on on video or audio? I know you've touched on a few of those already today. Look, uh, so we have, you know, it's things like being authentic and genuine because you must be you. Um, think about the medium and dress appropriately for the occasion. Um, you know, if you're doing a, a drought story on Sky News, look like a farmer. Um, be clear and brief. Um, your comment must be easy to understand and easy to repeat. And that's what the politicians are great at. Their, their little media advisors, um, really make sure that, um, it's something you can repeat and watch your body language. You know, body language can be stronger than a thousand words. And even in a positive interview, interviewees can sometimes look tense or stiff and that can have a big impact on their credibility. So, you know, before you're on camera, if there's time, do some exercises or walk around and, and you know, try and relax your body as we've discussed with breathing and things like that. Um, but I'd say really put life back into your language, you know, be brief, colourful, visual, memorable, simple, relevant and accurate because the aim is to reduce long-winded explanations into a single snappy sentence. And it's amazing how few words are necessary to express a concept. So, you know, the easiest way to start is when you're you're writing a paragraph, you know, see how well you can sum it up in just a few words and say it out loud and see how it feels. I mean, you know, Julius Caesar was absolutely famous at this. 
um, because he created an empire and with concise communication summed the whole experience up in I came, I saw, I conquered. (laughs) Yes, he certainly did. Now, uh, I think one thing that people do get caught up in is they – are scared that not everyone will like them. And I've learned the hard way. It doesn't matter. That will never happen that everyone will, you know, be loving what you're saying or, or what you look like or anything else. I figure that you actually have to concentrate on who you are and being who you are and being genuine and just talking to the journalist that is standing there and not thinking anything further past past that, that you're talking to your people that you want to get to because you don't want to become friends with everyone, I figure. Um, I think everyone wants to show themselves in their best light. I think you're going to be shocked sometimes by some of the reactions um, from the wider population, I mean, you know, with the Blondshire Council, we put up something simple about gardening on Facebook and the multitude of negative comments that come in and comments you wouldn't have even considered you would get. And you're just astounded and amazed um, by how critical um, people are at times. Um, and I think with all of that, if you feel like you've done the best job you can do, then just let it go. Um, you know, be kind to yourself. Um, because there's always going to be armchair critics. There are always going to be, you know, people giving their two bobs worth. So if you can stand up there and go, you know what, I did the best job I could do with what I have on the day and what I've done, I can stand by proudly. It fits in with our brand. It fits in with our values. It fits in with who we are as people. And I did the best I can do. Then look, pat yourself on the back. Um, and if you've made mistakes, that's a learning situation. You know, we get better every time. It's all about practice. Now, look, the infamous ums and ahs are really hard not to say. I know I say them quite a bit and and most people do. But especially in a short media interview, say radio and television, it's a really important skill to learn how not to do your ums and ahs. Have you got some techniques that you've developed uh, with interviews that you do that make you sound confident plus help to get rid of the um, so many ums and ahs? Uh, yeah, everyone has ums and ahs. <laughs> Look, I'm actually not going to give you the answer you want because everyone has their own unique speech pattern. And I'd say embrace it. It's you. You know, when I presented the Queensland Country Hour, they tried to change the way I speak, and I spent more time thinking about that and stuffing up than actually about the questions I was meant to be asking. So I think sometimes just let it be okay. If you can practice, then I would say probably record yourself and listen back because I do spend a lot of time in my interviews cutting out the ums and ahs and you would be amazed at all those little seconds how much they add up. But, look, I would just say that if you can concentrate and practice, but, you know, at the end of the day it's you speaking in the moment and if an um and ah is actually going to help you create the pause to give your brain time to think, then I don't think it's a huge problem. One of the things I would say is to be a good listener because how well you listen to the questions is important as to how well you answer them. And don't ever hesitate to ask a reporter to repeat a question if you didn't hear it or you didn't understand it. I think those are some nars, Nikki. Like if you stay on track with your message, like if you've planned your points and your facts and you know what you want the audience to be walking away thinking about, 
I think that's going to help you not have the ums and ahs because you've been practicing those, you know, fantastic little bite sounds of, you know, creativity that are going to make everyone smile or, or whatever emotion it is you want to get. So I just think don't put too much pressure on your shoulders. I often, when I'm going to do an interview, practice what I'm going to say or, or how I'm, I'm going to react while I'm driving along. So maybe that's something people could do while they're driving along, practice, you know, some of the answers they think will come through and just sort of, I guess, try and slow it so that they aren't putting the ums and ahs in. The other thing is too, though, you can over-practice and then you come out, you know, sounding quite stilted. So it's a fine balancing act as always. Look, I absolutely love that because at the end of the day, we're all trying for this perfection, which isn't real. And we do say ums and ahs and, and everyone does it. Well, there's a, probably a few people who don't so much, but the rest of us who have so many thoughts going through our heads and trying to get out the, the right words and to sound you know, to sound really good and get our messages across. So uh, thank you for giving us all permission for <laughs> for saying ums and ahs. <laughs> My Look, pleasure. Sally, is there anything else that you can think of that you'd uh, that might help people that you want to add in? Look, I'd just say don't be afraid. You've got a better story sitting there in your hands than you know. And if you don't know how to tell it yourself, then reach out to someone and, and make contact because that's the whole thing. We've all got our own networks. You know, we've got our employees, we've got our family and friends, we've got the people down at the local, you know, junior cricket and the swimming club. Um, and I think you really need to source the people who can help you do what you need to do and, and use them and embrace them because everyone loves helping. Um, you know, that's one of the things we really found, like, you know, when we empowered our community to be part of something, they loved it. They grew with the challenge. And I think sometimes we're just too afraid to ask for help or we don't think what we're trying to do is important enough or, you know, and I just think um, we're all very isolated these days. And maybe you could use this little project you're trying to do as a chance to really connect in um, with the people around you. Yes, and we all live in a community, no matter what size city or, or town that you live in. And I know living in a, having lived in very small towns to very large cities, often it's better and, sorry, not better, but easier in the smaller towns to actually build that community around you. But there are so many people out there that you, your friends, your family and friends of friends. And I always find if you ask someone, ask the question and somehow the answers do arrive in the most mysterious ways. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with that. It's like our jolly phones that listen to us and, you know, I want to find myself something and suddenly it's jumping up as the next ad. It's like, okay. But um, I just think, you know, um, we can all help each other a, a lot. And I just don't think you should ever underestimate the power of being a, a storyteller and telling your story. Look, thank you, Sally, so much for your insight and your tips into working with the media. It has been so wonderful talking with you. And I know how much it will have helped a lot of businesses and organizations, community organizations. And look, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you'll do next to give a voice to the, 
to the to the people in your region because you do do some really remarkable work. So I'm really looking forward to seeing. Oh, thanks so much, Nikki. No, we're lucky. We've, I live in a region full of beautiful, educated, talented women and you know, we, we did Wingo and Pink Ladies Day for 20 years where we grew up from 40 women to 750 women coming to the, you know, the most glamour, glamorous charity day in the bush in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, in August, um, it's now been handed over to the Toowoomba Hospital Foundation and they're holding their toward Pink Ladies Day on the 25th of August. And, um, you know, it's really exciting to see how you can start a project, build the momentum, build the branding. And then you can actually find, um, I guess, the succession plan of how you can pass something on, not lose it, but have it, let it have a fresh start. And I think that's really important in businesses and community that, you know, whether it's a story, whether it's an event, um, is this um, pattern of growth and then being able to, I guess, move on to the next era, the next thing, um, so that you don't get stale because you always need people with fresh ideas to shake things up. Well, that's important in every every single business and organisation. And Pink Ladies Day was the most amazing event for an, a charity event so far into the bush, and it really is a long way away for most people. Oh, and-, yeah. and there's nothing there. That's the whole thing. No. That's a lot of red dust. <laughs> So I think that's very wise words. Uh, Look, good luck with everything and thank you so much for everything. Nikki, it was so lovely to chat. Thank you so much for thinking of asking me. I was very surprised, Um, but it's just been so lovely to catch up. So thank you. Not a problem. Thanks, Sally. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Simply Standout Marketing Podcast. Head over to simplystandoutmarketing.com for the show notes, downloads, and even more great stuff to help you grow your business with marketing made simple.